0: Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We wanted to take a moment before Father Ted begins to invite you to a live stream of our historic homes tour on Friday, May 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. With many quarantined and confined within their homes, we want to open the door and invite you into the home of our St. Mother Seton. You can watch it on Facebook, and we hope to see you there. Now here's Father Ted. This familiar gospel of the disciples on the road to Emmaus takes us back in time a little bit. We're already two weeks from Easter, but this gospel took place on the afternoon of Easter Sunday. So nobody is quite sure if our Lord has risen from the dead when all of this has taken place. And this passage, even though it takes place on Easter Sunday, it begins rather somberly with these... uh, Disciples, leaving behind Jerusalem, turning their backs on the Holy City and on the community of the believers who were there. They were leaving, essentially, the church to go back to the way of life that they had known before they had encountered Jesus. And these disciples on the road to Emmaus, they weren't serious sinners or bad people. That wasn't why they were leaving. It wasn't as if they couldn't live up to the precepts of our Lord like the rich young man in the gospel. They were leaving because of the tragedy of Good Friday, of the cross, of the death of the Messiah. They were leaving because they had lost hope. And they didn't see how anything good could possibly come from something so evil as the cross. And there's that very tragic phrase of theirs possibly one of the saddest in scriptures. We had hoped, and no longer, they've lost hope. But then, Jesus comes along, and he walks with them. He's accompanying them. He opens the scriptures to them. He explains to them how everything which took place during Holy Week, it needed to take place. It was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer in this way. Moses and all the prophets had foretold this. And so, little by little, that faith and that hope that they had lost begins to be restored on account of this conversation with Christ. Now, each of us has probably experienced something akin to what these disciples on the road to Emmaus went through. Each of us has probably had different times in our life of discouragement or a heavy cross or temptations to just give up hope, to stop trying. Or maybe we even know people who they have straight out left the Catholic Church because of something evil that they saw taking place. Like these disciples, they left Emmaus because of the evil of the cross, and it was an evil in a sense. And so too, there are other evils, perhaps much more so, that might have been experienced or heard about that have driven people we know from the church, such as the knowledge or experience of the sins of priests and bishops, Or perhaps the worldliness of the parish community where they're always talking about money or maybe there's no community there for us. Perhaps we didn't find the support we were looking for in our parish in a time of need. Or maybe the death of a loved one was blamed on God. And it's really a great trial. It's a huge cross to persevere, to not give up hope when things tragic and evil like this take place. But the way to persevere, the way to endure, the way to overcome these trying moments of our lives is shown to us in this gospel passage. The solution for us is the same as it was for the disciples on the way to Emmaus. We need to converse with Jesus. That is, we need to pray. Because prayer is just a friendly conversation with somebody we know and love. Prayer is the source of light and strength of the Christians. And so when we go through those trying moments, we need to talk to God about it. We need to open up the Bible. We need to pray the rosary. We need to read lives of the saints or books written by the saints. And that conversation with God will give Him the chance to explain things to us as our Lord explained things to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Our patron is here. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. she experienced this comforting power of prayer during one of the darkest moments of her life. She married uh, William Seaton. But soon after their marriage, he began to show signs of tuberculosis. It was a disease that ran through the Seaton family. Uh, His mother, his stepmother had died of it, actually. And it's something which is spread in a way very similar to coronavirus. Through coughing, or through sneezing, or through uh, even singing and laughing, droplets with the bacteria are airborne, and then somebody else can catch it in that manner. And William Seaton was living for years with his stepmother who had this, and so it was very easy for him to have caught it himself. And after just seven years of marriage with Elizabeth Ann Seaton, his health began to deteriorate to such an extent that it was clear that he couldn't go on much longer. And on top of that, on top of the fact that her husband was dying, essentially, the family business had just gone bankrupt three years earlier. And so they had been forced out of their home, and along with that, a number of other discomforts that accompany that sort of financial turnaround. And so they decided to set sail to Italy, hoping that they might find refuge there, that the climate might be good for William's health, that the connection with the Felici family, a merchant family there might help them to recover the family business. And they set voyage in a kind of last desperate chance or shot. Many of their friends and acquaintances said that it was something which was presumption and next to madness for them to do so. But they felt they had no choice. There was no other option. So they set out, And the voyage went well, but as soon as they arrived in Italy, the authorities quarantined William and Elizabeth and their daughter because they were afraid he had a contagious disease. And they locked them for the next 30 days in a stone tower on a canal. So the very voyage that was supposed to save his life was doing nothing more than accelerate his demise. And in this situation, William lost all hope, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton wrote one time that it seemed like he wouldn't even live till the next day. He he was despairing. But Elizabeth did not despair. She did not give up hope. Yes, she was incredibly sorry. She wasn't like stoic in this situation. She wrote how her heart was almost breaking because of the sorrow that was flooding it. Her eyes were burning because of the tears she was shedding. I mean, she was suffering greatly, but she did not despair. She found solace, strength, and refuge in the scriptures and in prayer. She turned to God in those times, in that time. The day after they were locked up, she heard the church bells ringing. She started to pray. She felt nothing. But she said she persisted, and then the consolation of the peace and mercy of God flooded her. And she was able to continue throughout that next month in the most arduous of situations, because of her prayer. She said, if I should forget my God one moment at these times, I should go mad. And she said a particular help was Psalm 46. Psalm 46 has a verse which reads, Be still and know that I am God. Her oldest daughter who was with them said that God was the only thing they had left in this situation. and Elizabeth Ann Seton said she was right, and that was enough. And so comforted and strengthened by her prayer, she braced herself to look after her husband during his last month on earth. Now, we need prayer as well. It's not just for the saints, but we need prayer on a regular basis, and especially in those more difficult times. Our Lord gave us the example of Gethsemane. He was about. He was beginning this, the most arduous moment of his life, and what does he do? He prays. And what else does he do? He tells his apostles to pray, or else they're going to fall. And what do they do? They sleep rather than pray, and then they wake up, and then they abandon our Lord, because they did not pray. St. Alphonsus said there are some temptations, especially temptations of impurity, that are impossible to resist without prayer. And we all have these moments of struggle, of darkness, of temptations to despair. And so these are the times especially where we must go to prayer. We need this ongoing dialogue with our Lord to have that strength to go on. There are many secular businesses now who are recognizing that human beings need to rest if they're actually going to be productive, if they're going to keep going and so, there are some businesses that are actually designing their offices with a room or rooms for their employees to take siestas, to take naps, so they can recover their, some energy, so they can keep on going. Prayer is something similar, in an analogous way, obviously. We spend some time recuperating strength, being with our Lord, investing time in prayer, so that we can then persevere, continue going, going forward in those duties that we know that he is calling us to carry out. And prayer with other people is great. Prayer with other people is something commendable. Prayer with other people is normally required of us if it weren't for the current pandemic. But even now, you know, praying with your family in quarantine or praying with other people that you are are quarantined with. There's some parishes that are actually arranging for virtual prayer meetings. You know, they're having Zoom calls with their prayer groups. But even though that's good, we need personal prayer time. We need prayer time by ourselves. Because our Lord told us, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. And so the precept to pray together does not supersede the precept to pray by oneself. And so one question to ask ourselves on this Sunday would be, since the lockdown began, since the quarantine began, When is the last time you went into your room, closed the door, turned off your devices, and prayed? And it could be that during this time of quarantine, it's actually more difficult. You know, we have more time in a way, but on the other hand, things have been changed. You know, maybe our prayer routine of going to the church and praying just can't happen anymore. Or maybe there's so many people in the house that there's no time or place to prayer. So we have to be creative. Maybe it means getting up a little bit earlier. Maybe it means going to bed a little bit later. Maybe it means getting in the car and driving to the church and praying outside the church, if you can't actually get into the church. My sister is in lockdown in Madrid, which was hit very hard by the quarantine, by the coronavirus. And so what she does is you can't even go on the streets. She goes up to the roof. We all have a need to prayer, for prayer. The question is to find the place and the time. We're beginning now in just a couple of days, the month of May, Our Lady's Month. Bring her into your prayer life during this time. You know, pray the rosary on a daily basis or read a book about Our Lady. Call upon her. The whole country is going to be consecrated to Mary on Friday. Ask her to watch over you, especially during those times of struggle. May her example at the foot of the cross inspire us so that when we are enduring great trials, we might not despair, but might lift up our hearts to our Heavenly Father who hears the cry of the poor and who always answers those prayers made in the name of His Son.